My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Let's restructure and change things and set some goals and targets. And as soon as we did that, as soon as we made some clear decisions on what we wanted, things really changed and, and opportunities came. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property developer and investor Matt Jones whose success has allowed him to carry out his dream of living in France with his family. We'll explore the ins and outs of his journey including the mindset change which helped him transition from a 9 to 5 to working full-time in property development. Property development was not always on the cards for Jones. He was in his 30s, had an established career and then one day, he picked up a book. All right, so basically 10 years ago, I, um, I read Steve McKnight's book, North 130 Properties. It just kind of resonated with me for whatever reason um, and just taught me that there was another way and it was just good timing as well. I was getting jaded at work and starting to wonder, is, is this it? Is this, it was, you know, I've, I've told people before about the, the, the moment I had when I looked at my pay pack and realized, pay pack and I realized I had to do you know, 40 hours work to get three hours off, which is you, you know, your four weeks annual leave traditionally. And then once I kind of did those numbers and that formula, that's when I had a bit of a mind shift of, okay, this this doesn't work for me anymore. I, I have no control over my time here. This, this is not good enough. And so I'd made that decision to change. I just didn't know how it was going to change at that point. Um, and that's when the book kind of showed up. And, and I think that's um, classic, you know, how, how things work. You know, you make a decision in your own mind or you get fed up with something and, uh, and then opportunity pops up, you know, because you're ready to accept it, you're ready to see it happen and, and that's that's kind of how it flows. And that was my first sort of experience with property. I was about 33 at the time and getting pretty frustrated with my career. I was a lighting technician for 15 years, which a job I loved, but it was going sort of nowhere. Well, it was going nowhere that I wanted. I was starting to realise that I didn't want to swap my time for money anymore and um, I didn't realise there was another way you could do that until I read that book and I decided to to be a property investor. Jones has become very successful in the field of property development and despite enjoying his work, he structures his day around spending time with his family. We, I get up in the morning about uh, 6.30 and I have breakfast with the kids. So I deal with the kids in the morning, 
um, get their, help get their lunches ready and get them off to school. Basically, we, we live close to the school, so we all walk up together and just um, spend some time, make sure they get settled in. And that's what we did in France, and we wanted to do the same thing here, so we have that special time in the morning. And then I come home and meditate for about half an hour um, and uh, just get my head in the right space for the, for the day. So I'm focused on what I want to achieve. I'm not sort of wasting time getting sidetracked. Um, and then from there, it varies a little bit. I'll probably just delve into emails for a couple of hours, um, maybe a, a couple of client calls, um, have lunch with my wife, and it's not too much long after that before it's time to pick the kids up again. <laughs> so, um, so some days, yeah, some days we, we just get – we go and do something and then pick the kids up. After that. Other days I might work right through where I'm talking to people on the phone or – uh, assessing a couple of projects or you know joint venture scenarios that we're in um, but yeah try and keep it fairly structured so that I'm not sort of sitting in the office all day um, you know doing doing stuff that can be done quickly you know I just kind of like to structure my time so I can get back to doing what I what I really want to do um, not that I don't enjoy the property side of things it's just I enjoy being with my family and doing those things more <laughs> so I just try to make sure I'm doing that Jones's childhood took place in some beautiful locations. However, he had no influence to go into property development. I was born in Melbourne in a suburb of Kew, which uh, would be great if I owned some property in Kew. That's a pretty cool place now. But um, lived there till I was about 14. And then we all moved up as a family to northern New South Wales. Um, lived in Benora Point there, went to school in Moolumbah and uh, lived on the Gold Coast from there. When I moved out of home about 18, lived, lived on the northern part of the Gold Coast and uh, went overseas for a little bit, did like the, the backpacking thing for a little while and then came back and lived in Mackay for a few years. It had no influence whatsoever. <laughs> there was no one in my family that did property. Um, yeah, zero. Didn't even read a book, wasn't taught about it at school, you know. Um, had no concept. I had no real idea about money either. You know, I remember being overseas and when I was doing the backpacking thing, I was probably about 23 and um, I had a credit card and I, and I didn't quite understand how credit worked then, which seems, sounds bizarre. Um, but I remember, I remember being, it's actually in France of all places, I was great picking there and uh, I was living off nothing. You know, I was eating potatoes and tomato sauce for dinner and, um, boiling up eggs on baguettes and just had zero money. And it was, um, I remember ringing the bank. I was ringing, ringing Westpac, a uh, reverse charge call, for some some banking thing. And they said, the, the lady said to me on the phone, oh, I see you've gone over your, your credit card limit. Would you like us to top that up a bit? And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's really nice of you. Thank you very much. You know, it went from two and a half to four grand or something. And all of a sudden I had money. I'm like, wow, this is great. <laughs> and then uh, I got back and I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to pay this back now. Right, I get it. And so, which is, it's just kind of bizarre to, to to think about that now. And and I think that's purely because we weren't taught that sort of stuff at school, and we weren't shown how to manage money. And and that's no nobody's fault. It's just kind of how it was. Or maybe I wasn't open to listening or learning about it. Um, but yeah, these days I'm very very focused on it and trying to teach my kids early about how to manage it and how to leverage off it and how to use it. As a child, Jones was always motivated to make money. My first job when I was 12, I was working in a butcher shop um, cleaning cleaning dishes and um, 
And then when we moved up to Queensland, I got a, another job in a butcher shop. I loved it so much <laughs> and did more cleaning dishes. I was 12, 14 or whatever. And um, and then, yeah, I was a pizza delivery guy. I was worked in a few different fruit shops, fruit and veggie shops. Um, but then, yeah, once I, I got into theatre lighting, um, that oh, I really loved that. I, I did that in, as work experience. And then I started at the Gold Coast Art Centre. Um, I was there for a number of years. And, yeah, I, I, I loved the job. I still look back on it with fond memories. It was a great time in my life, um, very creative, um, great people to work with, got to see lots of shows, bands, you know, opera and rock and roll and ballet and touring around the country, um, a little bit overseas. So it was just a fun, fun job. It was just that it didn't matter how fun it was, it was still going to be, I've got to do 40 hours to get three hours off. <laughs> and that, that was the turning point. After deciding to jump into property development, Jones left his job as a lighting technician. I pretty much quit my job a couple of months after that, um, which is probably the worst thing I could have done at the time, but I was very gung-ho and wanted to get straight into it. Um, I joined uh, Steve's mentoring program at the time, um, results program, and yeah, set about learning to become a property investor. Um, and from there, I, I learned quickly that I needed a job to actually pay the rent and uh, cover the credit card bills and things and, and actually borrow money to, to buy property. Jones's realization that he still needed a consistent income led him to another job. I became a postie for a couple of years and um, and that was a really good transitional job. The beauty of the postie thing was yeah, that it allowed me to, to have some more headspace to work out. I mean, his property investing is a full-time gig really if you're going to do it properly um, and people that try to do it with a full-time paid employment, it's um, it's pretty taxing, you know, if you've got your own social commitments and family and um, whatever else, then um, it's not always sustainable. So you, you kind of do need a plan of transition. Uh, if that's what you want to do, some people are happy in their job and want to keep doing that, that's fine. But if you do want to be doing it full time, you need to find a way to to get to that point. And that doesn't mean you have to become a postie. It could be you have long service leave or you go down to part time or you start working from home or you maybe have an online business that's not so doesn't require you to be somewhere at a certain time. Um, there's lots of ways to do it. It's just having a plan to get there. Sort of cut my wage in half, but it doubled my headspace that I had available to to learn how to become a property investor, start doing deals, and just you know transition myself away from full-time work. And I did that for, for two years. I went part-time in the last kind of six months as a, prop, as a postie, and then I left it all together in 2007. Uh, I haven't been back to, to full-time work ever since. Um, and yeah, in that two years I, I was in the mentoring program i started up my own networking group um that that went on to become quite large and and still is today and started off doing renos you know that was really all i could get my head around at the time was just buy reno sell and um yeah i did it the hard way i guess um did doing everything myself in those days thinking that i could save money by by being handy and doing it and uh yeah it took me like nine months to do a renovation and then um, I, I was burnt out after that. I had to, I had to go, on, go on a holiday. I went to Thailand for a couple of months with my brother and spent a lot of the profits over there because I was just burnt out from the whole thing. Jones was forced to rethink how he invested due to the exhaustion that he was facing. This is where his career took off. Yeah, restructured my thinking and how I was going to go about things from there. And That's when I got into subdivision, which is where things really took off for me and uh, worked out that I could, I could do you know one or two deals a year and not 
not have to work in, in you know, in, as far as swapping time for money goes as, a, as an employee. Um, and yeah, it kind of just kept going from there. We got into um, you know, larger deals, um, joint venturing. Um, my property networking group grew um, into a point where it became a, a business, not, not a huge business, but you know, another stream of income, I suppose, and started creating some of my own resources around based on my own experience to, with different strategies with renovation, subdivision, development, joint venturing. This allowed Jones, his wife and the two youngest children to embark on a new adventure and move abroad. Then we kind of stepped back from all that again and, and took a couple of years off and decided to to take our family overseas to France to live for a while and get a, a cultural experience and just, you know, do what we wanted to do when we got into property, which was kind of work less um, but you know, have experiences and we, we love to travel and at the time our kids were um, four and two I think at the time so it was kind of a good time to go overseas and do that before they started school and yeah we immersed ourselves in the French culture over there and learnt the language and the kids went to school and had a, had a great old time. And Coming back to the start of Joan's property investment and development career. He was inspired by Steve McKnight's book, From Zero to 130 Properties. From here, he joined McKnight's results mentoring program. I was starting from scratch and it was kind of like doing an apprenticeship, I guess, doing that, that mentorship. Went for 18 months but there was still, you know, you don't really learn it until you actually go out and do a deal. That's when it all sort of happens for you when you have money on the table and there's risk and you make mistakes and, um, you know, that's just the, the way it goes. With property investing, you're always sort of problem solving. Um, and yeah, it's, if you can get into that position where you where you're doing them and still supporting yourself, so you're not under pressure to make those deals um, a raging success, then uh, that's a great way, I think, to, to transition transition into that that world. When it was time to apply what he learned in the mentoring ship program, Jones invested into basic renovations. Old properties, sprucing them up, you know, paint job, new kitchen, new bathroom, put a deck on, maybe re-roof, those sorts of things, bit of landscaping. Um, and then just putting it back on the market, um, which I found to be hard work. I kind of don't really like doing renos now unless it's part of a bigger strategy um, because I really think renovations more about just buying really well and then the reno is, is really just creating a product that somebody wants. I don't think the reno is what creates the profit. It's more just buying really well. Um, and yeah, that led me into subdivision where there was a reno component and a subdivision component. So it might be a one into two. I did a number of kind of battle axe sort of blocks where there's a house at the front of the block, um, a large backyard and a, and a side access potentially. And we just cut the block in half, um, sell off the land at the back and then uh, renovate the front house. And then uh, we'd rent that house for a while, pay down the loan on that and then be positively geared and then eventually sell that property at the right time. Um, which which worked really well. We just kept repeating that strategy for quite a while because it it, it seemed to be fairly low risk uh, and easy to manage. So that the first one I actually did while I was still a postie, um, so I could still do that that sort of nine to five job and manage this this subdivision project. And once I, you know, made more money in one deal than I was in a year doing the postie work, I realised okay, well, I don't need to do the postie thing anymore. Um, and then we kind of kept moving on from there, replicating that strategy um, and just kept it really simple, you know, where we were kind of just flipping it like we were with the renovations, but um, 
take, taking the money and pulling a bit of a wage out of it, but then putting the money back into um, the next project. Finding success in his first property investments meant that Jones could fully commit to his new passion. As soon as, as, soon as that first deal made, it was about 50 grand, um, I left immediately because <laughs> I, I didn't like the postage job after a couple of years. It was like when I started there, it was a bit of fun and scooting around on a CT110 delivering mail was cool. But after a, you know, a year, 18 months, it was um, it wasn't that enjoyable <laughs> anymore. So I was looking for any opportunity to get out of that. Um, and yeah, I, I knew that the time that I was spending at work, you know, as a postie, was just wasted. You know, I mean, it was just not worth my time. And the the feeling of 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 leaving that job and knowing that. I could focus all my time on finding deals and, and doing them it was just like a weight off my shoulders. I just felt, I just was so excited because I enjoyed doing the deals and uh, and now I could do them whenever I wanted. You know, I wasn't like as a postie, I'd get up at five o'clock, I was at work at five thirty, I'd be sorting mail, delivering mail, you know, busting my butt, um, and then coming up at three in the afternoon, exhausted, and then trying to do property after that. Um you know, it's not it's not sustainable. So um, once I left that, it just opened up a new world of understanding how um, you know what you can achieve by not being at work. And I'm not I'm not recommending anyone just go and quit their job. You need to have a better plan than I did in the beginning. Um, but it definitely, like I can never go back to it. I, I just see it as, as a very very poor use of my time. Um, just not just because of the work, but the, the traveling to work, the thinking about work before, the stress, taking it home. You know, it's when you equate that down to an hourly rate, it's probably half of what you think you're actually earning. Um, and once you equate it down to that and, and see what you can achieve with with one property deal, um, it just it's just a numbers game in the end. It just kind of made sense. Um, and yeah, there's going to be pressure to to go and find deals and make them successful. Because you, you know, when you've got a job, you just get up and go to work, and someone pays you. It's pretty straightforward. But um, in the beginning, I suppose that most people would feel that pressure to succeed. Because if you don't, then you don't eat. You know, you don't pay your bills. But I found that that made me even more resourceful, um, and made me think of think creatively. How how am I going to fund these deals? Um, you know, that that sort of stuff comes up. And so it's it's a fine balance, I think, between. Um, not getting sort of caught up in the fear or the um, you know the anxiety of not knowing where when this deal is going to come through or is it going to come through? Are you going to be able to make a profit? Are you going to be able to live off it? And the fine balance between that and then the, also the freedom of of not going to work and having more time up your sleeve to go and focus on this sort of stuff and, and learning to do deals. Early on in his new career, Jones discovered what worked for him when developing. Joint venturing became really important for me early on because I was on a postie wage. I couldn't borrow any money from the bank. So my very first deal was a joint venture. I didn't really know it at the time, but um, my cousin was, um, we had a company in trust structure. She had a good wage. So I basically put in the time and a little bit of cash and she put in the servicing a little bit of cash and we just split everything 50-50. Um, and we did that for a number of deals and then we both sort of had different goals, went different directions and I had to um, find joint venture partners again. So it was about finding people that were 
you know, the same sort of risk profile, same sort of personality, had the right resources to contribute um, and building up, you know, some trust and um, making sure we're working with, with people with integrity. And I just kind of had a pool of people, I suppose, that I worked with um, from time to time based on what the project was and what sort of funding was required. Um, and, and those people just came from relationships that I had already, through, particularly through my property networking group, um, just by being around other people that were doing things in property, um, you know, just through through chance, I suppose, or well, I wouldn't say chance, but just being open to what I, what I was looking for. And usually when you do that, the, the right person shows up. Um, and then, yeah, that just went from doing my own projects and having people fund them, um, along with myself funding it. But then the more we did it, the more we realised it was, you know, that it's better to, to leverage off other people's money and preserve your own or put yours in when you really need to, as use more as a backup. Um, and then from there, I'd, I'd built some good relationships with colleagues that were doing, um, you know, medium to large property development, um, which was, you know, right out of my league. Um, but they'd become good friends and I'd saw what they were doing and, so when there was an opportunity to invest with them, I did, and that kind of those relationships continue to grow. Now, you know, we still do the same thing where we can um, invest in that project and um, derive you know, some sort of income from it, or or use our super fund to do things, or you know, whatever, whatever kind of works. There's always there's always something going on. It's just being around it and and being open to um, to contributing when when it suits. Joint venturing is a key tool that Jones uses and from it, he has learned a valuable lesson. It was one of my earlier joint ventures and for me, it was about finding people that um, that that had the resources to contribute to the deal um, and that and that I, I got along well with them, you know, that I, I trusted them, they were, they were friends. And, and so we did a deal with some people and... Um, I, was, I probably wasn't as good at doing joint ventures then and wasn't clear about the importance of um, communicating properly, understanding roles and responsibilities, um, that sort of thing with joint venturing. And so when you don't have that, things can go off track really easily. And that that's where things go pear-shaped with joint ventures, where, the, where there hasn't been a clear um, delineation between who's doing what in the deal and resentment can build from that. Um, and eventually um, conflict didn't didn't get to that point for us, but it was just managed not very well. And, and I take responsibility for that um, in that it wasn't a great outcome, and um, but it taught me a lot to, to focus more on the personality of the people that you're going to be joint venturing with, with rather than just the resources they can contribute because you want it to be a fun experience. You want to have a good time, you know, and... Um, and by focusing on the person more than the money, um, it's become really important. So understanding how they react under pressure, you know, what stresses them out, um, what happens, because people often change when money goes on the table. Um, there can be fear around it or they can bring stress and that, that fear or stress can affect the project in a, in a funny sort of way. Even if they have no control over it, it can still affect the project and, um, so we just get really clear on who we're working with now and, and how they might react under certain situations because a property deal has ebbs and flows and you need to be able to be fluid with that, that what's happening in the market and what the deal's doing and the strategy you're implementing. 
Um, so you want someone on board that is happy to do that, that's not too too detailed and too structured. You want someone that you can work with that is happy to change direction from, from time to time and understand that there is risk. You know, there's um, things aren't always going to go perfectly. So, um, yeah, no, nothing too crazy about that, but it just it did teach me a lot about um, how, how to do joint ventures well and how to be really upfront with everything, look at all the worst-case scenarios, get it out on the table really early um, and, and have real clear um paperwork on who's doing what throughout the project and you know what happens if there is a conflict what happens if the deal goes pear-shaped what are you going to do what's the fallback plan how are we going to how are we going to react in this scenario um and that that is that is really really important i think with with any joint venture now more so than what they're contributing um to the deal because you want it to be you don't want to lose friends or family over what you're doing it's just a property project in the end and uh you want to you want to come out of the end feeling good about it, obviously make profit and, um, and be able to move on to the next one and, and choose to do that if you want. And if it hasn't gone so well or you didn't like the process, then you can close the book on that one and um, open another one with another partner or another deal. That was one of Jones's career lows. Now, let's explore one of his career high points. The biggest aha moment for me really is just um, understanding that mindset was... Well, let's take it back. Let's probably go back to, you know, year three of me doing property investing where I was doing deals and I wasn't making any more money than I was in my job when I was a theatre technician. So when I was in theatre, I I had a lighting manager role for the last couple of years and I was getting paid 60 grand a year. And at the time, to me, that was a lot of money. It was like, wow, I'm doing really well. I've got a 60 grand a year job. Um, And so when I left that job, that to me was my benchmark and, and that was just a, a belief system around that. And so I was doing deals and no matter what I did, I couldn't make more than 60 grand. And, and I was really um, tracking money for years. I'd track every cent. I'm very good with um, spreadsheets and things and I like to analyze that sort of stuff. And so I track all my expenditure and and I, I'd look at it and go, well, I can't make more than 60 grand, you know, almost to the dollar. <laughs> it's like, it's just not working out. So that was a massive aha moment in that um, I had to do some work on my own, uh, my personal development. And, and Steve said, to that, said that to me really early on, and, and I didn't really listen at the time. He just said, Matt, um, property investing goes hand in hand with personal development. And he probably saw that in me at the time that I, I needed to do some work on myself. And, and for me, it was just about, no, 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 just, just show me the numbers, show me the strategy. I just want to get out there and do it. Um, and so I, I did that. I ignored his advice and I just went out and did it because personal development to me at the time was probably too scary to look at um, in case it un- uncovered something that I didn't like about myself potentially. And so I just focused on the strategy, finding deals, crunching the numbers, doing the deals. And But I had this blockage around um, what I thought I was worth. And I, and I thought I was worth 60 grand a year. And so I had to go away and, and focus on and do some work on myself um, and I ended up getting a, a coach on board to help me with that specifically. Um, but that was definitely a, a turning point for, for everything, um, not just for property. You know, a lot of things in my life at the time where I just need to go and sort out a few things. And there was nothing, there wasn't anything terrible. You know, I had a wonderful childhood. Um, I just had a few belief systems that I picked up along the way that, that didn't serve me anymore. And they were affecting how, how I was moving forward and, and I couldn't move forward in any way until I dealt with that 
Um, so I spent you know 12 months um, doing personal development, and and at the time I remember thinking, um, cool, I'm just going to go and do a course and tick that box and move on, you know. And and I realised after that 12 months that it's actually a lifelong thing. Um, it's it just goes on and on and on. You, you're constantly coming up against challenges and um, hurdles that you've got to get over in life, and and now it's when I think about it, I. I get excited about it. You know, when I first did it, it was it was very scary, and I would procrastinate and turn away from it, and didn't want to do it. But I pushed myself through it, and now it's now I have the tools to uh, to work through things when they when things get scary. And in fact, I just get excited about it now. If there's something that I'm doing that's out of my comfort zone, then it's like great. You know, I know, I know there's there's going to be good things on the other side because I know when when you grow. Um, you just have these massive breakthroughs and you become a better person, whether that's a better partner, a better father, a better property investor, um, better money manager, better whatever. You know, you just get better. And and for me, that's 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 what what drives me, you know, to be better at, at whatever I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a big aha moment to realise that it's me holding me back and I need to work on me. Uh, so I went away and did that and then, yeah, things things change big time with, with my property investing and, and with my life in general. Um, and then, and now I continue to do that um, to this day. And I still have a coach that helps me with certain things, not not as much personal development, but there's still stuff that crops up where, well, that's a bit scary. It's a bit outside of a comfort zone. I might need a little bit of help with that. Um, and then I'll go and get it. And so I can move on quickly. Coming up after the break, we'll explore Jones's current strategy and we'll dive into the details of how he overcame mindset challenges. So I, I, I brought on a, I'm actually looking for someone to help me with it. We'll hear about the personal habits that have contributed to his success. Um, and I already noticed a, a change in, in me in doing it over that time. And that's next. I'm Tyron Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. Let's be real, deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. We've already explored how Jones got into joint venturing and how he used it to build his career. It continues to be a key strategy for Jones. However, he's now using it differently. Because we've been overseas for a couple of years, but um, there's got a bit of a bit of a strategy to it. And we're at this point now, we're just looking at okay, what's the next move um, as far as deals go. Um, but we're also even more mindful now of what we want to do with with our time. You know, and we're very protective of that. Um, so yeah, that, that the strategy has to fit in with us now. Um, Whereas it was kind of the other way around before, where it was just, you know, let's just make this work, let's get it happening. 
Um, now we've kind of come full circle um, with the joint venturing where before we'd have people putting into our projects. Um, now we can do it, you know, put the money into other people's projects and get um, get a return from that, which is which is um, which is great. Along with joint venturing, Jones is now trying out a new strategy of holding onto some properties. Something that we left out of our wealth creation strategy, um, and and that, that's a little bit of a regret at this point because at the time we were just kind of surviving. We were just getting in there, flipping it, building up the capital base so that we could get into um, to bigger deals. Um, and now, yeah, the joint venture scenarios, it's more about, okay, how do we hold something? You know, each project we, we, we need to try and keep part of it um, rather than just get a return on our money or, um, you know, um, we need to end up with, with an asset basically. So we're building that. So we're, we're kind of starting again there a little bit with, with building the portfolio. Um, and looking back, I think, yeah, we should, probably should have held more along the way. But I was so focused on, you know, active property investing strategies. Buy and hold just wasn't in my realm of thinking. Um, and so now I, you know, I encourage people to have a, a good mix going on where, yeah, you've got some good long-term um, properties there in your portfolio, but you've also got the skills to implement active sort of strategies so that you can manufacture your own your own profit or your own equity um, to do the things you want to do now or, you know, build a bigger capital base for, for other projects or whatever that is. But, yeah, having something ticking along in the background I think is really important and I think we've overlooked that a little bit. Um, it's been more about the now rather than the future. And that's just something we're, we're adjusting now and um, we'll just probably fast track it a bit more, um, you know, in the coming years, I would think, so that we, ha we can leverage off that later. These strategies have assisted Jones on his path to success. However, there were mindset obstacles that also needed to be overcome. I brought on a, I actually went looking for someone to help me with it. So I went to different you know, seminars, same way as I got into property. You know, you kind of read books and go and listen to people speak. And, and I did a bit of that with the personal development side of things and, and went specifically looking for a, a coach that could be one-on-one -on -one with me because I really believe in getting, you know, paying more and getting that one-on-one -on -one attention to get faster and better results. Um, so uh, I met uh, Jill McIntyre, who I'm guessing some of your listeners might know. Um, she's based in Melbourne and is a, a life coach, um, but a whole lot more than that. She's, she's a property investor and does a lot of business coaching as well now. So um, I found her or she found me, whatever it was fate, and uh, I just went through a like a program, I suppose, of, of 12 months, which involved me talking to her on a regular basis and delving into things that um, that uh, were holding me back in, in whatever way that we mentioned the you know the 60k thing was based around self-worth and um, you know um, some stuff around what I learned from my parents or what I didn't learn from my parents as far as money management. Um, there was other personal sides of things with with my life around um, commitment, you know, was, um, and um, my, my parents um, were divorced at one point, or obviously a number of years ago, and and uh, that that kind of affected how, how I went about things in relationships. Um, turned out to be a, a really positive thing. My parents are good friends now, and we're all, we're all really close, um, but at the time, it kind of affected me in, in a way that it, um, 
I had trouble committing to, to somebody else. So I worked through that at the same time and it was all kind of interrelated um, with, with not just about property, but just the way I was pro- approaching my life and the things that I was doing to, to sabotage myself. Um, I just had to have them addressed. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was just working with Jill one-on-one and discussing those things and trying to understand why I was doing them. And I think once I had an awareness, um, firstly, what I was doing and, and also why I was doing it, it was quite easy to kind of break the habit and and because they weren't things that I wanted to be doing. You know, I wanted to have be married. I wanted to have my own family. I wanted to have, be a father. And um, and so I was just holding myself back in that, that area. So it was really... Um, empowering to go through that process even though it was scary in the beginning it was very empowering to get through the other side and you know i'm very grateful to jill for for helping me do that and we still talk now um to this day um even just a couple of weeks ago i've just been taking on some one-on-one private mentoring clients and which is another level of for me as far as educating people goes and um so yeah i brought jill back in hey jill i'm doing something different here it's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I'm really excited about it. But I just think I need a little bit of um, adjustment. You know, you know, when you go to a um, acupuncturist or something, you get a tra- treatment. I think I need a bit of a treatment here, Jill. We chat about this because I want to make sure I do it right. And uh, and it's more of a fun thing now. You know, it's more about uh, an excitement thing rather than you know, in the first the first year that I was with her, every time I had to have a phone call with her, I was I was scared out of my wits. Um, because I knew that she was going to push my buttons and uncover things I didn't want uncovered, and um, and you know that that was part of the growth to, to go through that. So yeah, it was um, very um, very grateful for that experience. Jones believes that with enough determination, anyone can work through their mindset challenges. I know it's everyone can do it. It's not something that's anything special. I think it's just if you want something bad enough. You know, and you make a really conscious decision that you want that, then that, that's all it is, really. Everything after that is pretty easy. I mean, there's, there's challenges with it, but once you've made that decision, that you, you kind of have that fire in you that you, you want that really bad, you know, more than anything else. And you can't, you can't live, you can't go on until you have that. And um, that's, that's, that's all you need to get going inside you to, to have to make that change. It's, it's not about the logistics of finding a coach and doing the program. It's, it's about making a really clear decision, an emotional decision in your own heart that this is what I, this is the person I want to be or this is what I want to do. This is how I want my life to be. And um, once, you, once you're clear on that, there's nothing can stop you. you, know, you and um, I've used that scenario in lots of sections of my life now where just get really just get clarity. It's clarity leads to the the power of doing it. Having a good mindset is crucial in property investment, which is advice that Jones has heard from the beginning. Probably that what I mentioned about Steve before, where he said, um, you know, property investing goes hand in hand with personal development. Um, I've also heard from from other mentors. Um, young Newen said to me once about mindset being seventy percent of the um, of the work. You know, the strategy is kind of thirty percent. Um, the strategy is not rocket science. You know, anyone can learn how to go and subdivide a property. You know, it's it's not it's not hard. It's uh, the thing that holds people back is is the emotional blockages or the fear around doing something. Or um, once you get hold of that and understand what yours is, because we've all got something, um, some big, some small. Once you understand what that is, and you can go out and um, 
resolve it, then that that is that is where the success lies. I think um, it's not in just learning more strategies or doing more deals, or it's just having that that um, that belief and that understanding of how powerful your mindset is. Today, Jones has a priority of finding fulfillment and happiness. It was about buying experiences now, um, because um, I remember I think it was Brendan Nichols. I heard him say that we we have. Well, he may not have said it first, but he, it stuck in my mind when he said it is that we have four thousand weeks on this earth on average, um, and then you could even say you got four thousand weekends. And so when you break that down, you know I'm past halfway, and and I kind of get into that. It's kind of, might sound a bit morbid, but I like to sort of project myself to that point and just think, okay, would I be happy with the decisions I've made? Would I be happy with what I've achieved? Or and not just from a financial point of view, but for, for me, it's the priority for me is is being a father and a husband. And am I the best father and husband I can be? And and that's over everything else. So we kind of started basing our decisions around that and around that that happiness or that fulfillment rather than the amount of properties we had or the amount of money we had in the bank. And, and I'm not saying that's not important. It is because that what is what allows you to to, to do amazing things. Um, but it was just getting more clarity around what excited us and what we wanted our kids to experience, what we wanted to experience. One experience that Jones and his family couldn't pass up was moving to France. Their time abroad also equipped the Jones with some new skills. And that was just something that was really high on the list for us. And it may not be for others, but for us, it was just really clear and it was about putting everything else aside and going well stuff it you know that's what we're doing and and it's a risk and it's going to be a bit of a challenge and um but when i'm on my deathbed i really want don't want any regrets i want to know that you know we gave it a crack and, and we had a good time and and yeah that meant we earned less money over that that period but um we, we got to do what we wanted to do you know we, we bought some experiences and really financially it wasn't that hard it was it was quite, I mean, we, we spent a lot less money living in France than we do in Australia. Um, and we, we had a, you know, a fallback of, you know, a stash of, of money that we, we had there. If everything went pear-shaped, if deals fell over or whatever, um, you know, we could still remain there. Um, it was, we were, we were fully funded, um, but we wanted to do it in a way where it was kind of sustainable, where, you know, the meetings that I had, um, the networking group meetings, they continued to run. Um, we could still invest in other people's projects. Um, I built my membership site and my website and did more work on that to make it you know more professional and more um, content rich. Um, so there was there was things that we did while we were away that um, that kept things going. Um, it meant we didn't have to dip into our savings. Um, we could we could sustain ourselves as we were, but living on the other side of the world, and that was kind of that was kind of part of the challenge as well. If we could do that, because we knew if we could do that then we could do it anywhere um, and we could do it again and again. So it was, for me, that was a big um, learning curve as far as restructuring everything that I did in Australia because I had to think about, well, how, how will I do this in, in France? You know, every single thing. And it was probably 18 months or two years of us restructuring that and, and bringing in um, people um, to help us and you know, uh, investing in better systems um, and, and building 
you know, a better um, foundation for everything so that I could hand things over to other people to do things for me. And and that was a real process for me too because I had to learn how to delegate better. You know, I was a bit a bit too onerous and um, and that was that had been a weakness of mine in property investing in the early days as well. It's something that I had to address where I was very didn't want to work with anyone, just wanted to do it myself. Didn't just just let me just let me go and do it. You know, I just I just work better by myself. And and that's property investing is all about teamwork. You know, you need to have great people around you. And I, and I had to change the way I approached that. Um, and then I had to I had to readdress it again when we had to restructure our business um, and, and learn how to delegate and outsource and get people to do things. And and because we had that drive to go and live in France and have this experience, it was it was a lot easier because. We had our tickets. We had the date that we were going. It was like, well, you know, this time next year we're going to be sitting in France, and we want everything to be running as normal. So I really need to, you know, pull my finger out and <laughs> make make things happen so that we can do that. There's a real incentive there. Jones has some personal habits that he thinks has contributed to his success. I've kind of done meditation and, and a bit of yoga, you know, a little bit over the last 20 years, just on and off. Um, but I'd never had any sort of structure with it uh, and consistency. And I'm a big believer in um, doing things consistently um, over a long period of time. I think you get massive growth in whatever you're trying to achieve by just doing it consistently. And uh, and I hadn't done it with meditation before. I knew it was an important part of my life, but I hadn't I wasn't able hadn't been able to work out a way of doing it every day. And I, I just got onto this um, um, smartphone app. Uh, uh, an app called Headspace. You might have heard of it, headspace.com. And um, it's just a great, well-structured app that that I've used um, probably for the last uh, year, I suppose now. Um, And I just religiously do it every day um, for for half an hour. And it just just sets my day up, you know. um, It just puts me in the right frame of mind. um, And I'm always learning something about how to be present um, how to make good decisions, how to communicate better. Um, it's just it's just this constant input every day and, and, and I love it. I, I look forward to it. It's just that little piece of me time that, um, that I kind of put back and, and it allows me to, to do more, I think. And yeah, I've got a long-term view of that. Of, you know, my goal is to be doing it for 10 years every day. Uh, it's been one year so far, so I've got a, a long-term plan of that and I think that's what it takes with that sort of thing. Um, and I already noticed a, a change in, in me in doing it over that time. Um, just little things, nothing major, but just enough for me to go, yeah, this is this is really good for me and, um, and I'll, I'll continue to do it for as long as I can. As well as meditation, Jones also has a habit of reading. This habit inspired his career and continues to better him. Uh, a couple of key ones, you know, Think and Grow Rich, Richest Man in Babylon, those those ones that everyone should be reading, those sort of wealth creation books. Um, lately, what's something I've read recently? Um, it wasn't a property investing book, but it was a great read and affected me in the way that I um, go about life. It's called um, it's called The Expert's Way by James Clavasa. Um, just came out late last year. And he's a he's based on the sunny coast actually, and he's more of a um, you know digital economy expert um, around you know online businesses and that sort of thing. But the value in the book that I got was the way that he 
measures his success based on the happiness that he has in his life or the, the fulfillment that he gets. And, uh, and he talks a lot about, um, he's, he's coined the phrase kid vision, where, you know, you, you spend, you know, go away for like four hours or something, go and sit down and, and work out what your kid vision is. And that's basically going back to your childhood and what excited you then? What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? What, just having that sort of kid-like approach to your dreams and goals and not having any sort of boundaries around that and getting in touch with it. And then um, focusing on and um, recreating or creating what your perfect day looks like. So getting really clear on what that is when you get up in the morning, you know, you get up, you meditate, you have breakfast, you spend time with your loved ones, you do, you go surfing, you know, what's your perfect day? And, and it's just little chapters like that throughout the book that um, I really resonated with um, because it helped me go to another level with um, striving for, you know, that perfect day, you know, getting that every day. Um, Cause I think it's a constant balance that we have trying to, trying to, fit everything in and have fun and um, work and do the things we've got to do, but still finding that, that balance. And I find it a daily thing that, that needs to be worked on. So I found it, I resonated really well with, with some of the stuff that James talked about. Um, definitely worth a read, whether you're into on, online businesses or not. I think there's some, most of the book was really about creating a life for yourself that, that you want, you know, manufacturing the life that you want to live. Um, getting clear on what that is and then going about implementing it. Jones is now applying the lessons learnt in the Expert's Way book as he is adjusting to the Australian lifestyle after living in France. It's worked really well for me at the moment because of the transition we've made coming back to Australia and that, you know, the French lifestyle was very, um, I wouldn't say lay back, it's just that they like enjoying the finer things in life. Um, and they, they tend not to embrace um, efficiencies and a lot of things, you know, like internet and FPOST and, you know, just, just things that we take for granted that we use that keeps our lives simpler most of the time. Um, but they focus more on on communicating with friends and family. And it's kind of like how, if you think back 30 years, how your life was, um, that's kind of how, how it is there now sort of thing where, you know, kids go out at night and play till six or seven o'clock at night and they're safe, you know, or there's no shops open on a Sunday. Um, and they, they have these long lunches every day of the week, everyone, you know, tradies, business people, um, friends, family, that they sit down for lunch every day for two hours at a bottle of rosé and talk. There's no phones and they just they just interact and they, they it's a real community spirit. So coming back here, I've found it to be very fast paced and, you know, go, go, go. We work hard, we play hard. Um, we don't stop for lunch, you know, we just, we just get in and, and do it. And so for us, it was a bit of a culture shock because we were kind of like, whoa, hang on guys, slow down, slow down. Um, so we're trying to find that balance now where we're really efficient here and we've got great things and, and technology and, and we utilize that, but also stopping, you know, and, and, and spending time with each other and um, putting the phone away, um, not looking at Facebook and social media and stuff and just going, hey, how you going? Like, let's just have a conversation and sit down and have a nice meal together. Um, those those things were really really special over there, and we're trying to incorporate that back in our own life here and, and just get that balance going, um, which I think is something that we we miss because life just moves so fast. I'll tell you what, it's hard to it's hard to leave it when you've had a taste of it. I mean, in, in the beginning, it was very it was challenging because it was too slow. 
Now, when we got there, things were things take a long time there. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of paperwork. You know, if um, everything's goes on works by snail mail. You know, there's you pay for your groceries with a checkbook a lot of the time. It's just slow, slow, slow. You know, and for the first few months, it was like, come on, guys, wake up. You know, embrace the internet, embrace these things. You know, but then we we kind of got it. We we're like, okay, you, you guys have actually you guys actually got it right here. You know, you, you're focusing on the important things that we're kind of we're forgetting about, um, and and they're very forthright in holding on to those things. And uh, and it's good. It's it's good. I think I think we should embrace some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, just getting a balance is, is the important thing. Thank you to Matt Jones, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.